The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading of the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not be afraid any longer, little flock, for your Father is pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your belongings and give alms. Provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy. For where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. Gird your loins and light your lamps, and be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds vigilant on his arrival. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself, have them recline at table, and proceed to wait on them. And should he come in the second and third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. Be sure of this. If the master of the house had known the hour when the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be prepared for an hour you do not expect. The Son of Man will come. Then Peter said, Lord, is this parable meant for us or for everyone? And the Lord replied, Who then is the faithful and the prudent servant whom the master will put in charge of his servants to distribute the food allowance at the proper time? Blessed is that servant whom his master on arrival finds doing so. Truly, I say to you, the master will put the servant in charge of all his property. But if the servant says to himself, my master is delayed in coming and begins to beat the men servants and the maid servants to eat and to drink and to get drunk, then that servant's master will come on an unexpected day and at an unknown hour and will punish the servant severely and assign him a place with the unfaithful. That servant who knew his master's will but did not make preparations nor act in accord with his will shall be beaten severely. And the servant who was ignorant of his master's will but acted in a way deserving of severe beating shall be beaten only lightly. Much will be required of the person entrusted with much and still more will be demanded of the person entrusted with more. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise the to you, gospel, Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes one of the difficult things about preaching, especially during ordinary time, especially during the summer, is we get into these rhythms where the Lord is 
telling parables. And if you, if you notice, often when the Lord tells parables, he tells clusters of parables in which he makes a similar point in all the parables. So for instance, you think of all of the, the kingdom of God parables and we'll have like six weeks where the gospel is, the kingdom of God is like, you know, a treasure buried in a field or the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. The difficulty that makes uh, for a preacher is that you feel like, ah, I just preached this last week, right? And here we are again. So uh, if the gospel sounded a little bit familiar today, it's because last week the Lord was giving us the parable about the man who had all the extra wheat and decided that he was going to store it up and then eat, drink, and be merry. And the Lord said, you fool, your life is going to be demanded of you tonight, and what are you going to have to show for it? And he spoke about being rich in the things that matter to God. And what do you know, I was at this exact same Mass uh, preaching last week. And what I preached about then was, uh, you know, I, I talked to some students and asked, what do you think matters to God? And one of them said, we matter to God. So I spoke about storing up treasures and what ri uh, riches and what matters to God, becoming substantial people, right? Becoming the people God wants us to be. Well, here we are again, and the Lord is once again talking about preparedness, and once again specifically talking about uh, what kind of treasure we store up. Uh, there's a very, I think, famous line here, provide money bags for yourselves that do not wear out, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven that no thief can reach nor moth destroy, and listen to this, where your treasure is, there also will your heart be. So, so it's a wonderful line, and I think it's true and even painfully true. Right? Because often in life, what we want to say is, we want to reserve uh, somewhere in our mind or in our heart some sense that, well, God is the most important thing to me. But then really nothing in our actions betrays that fact. Uh, there's an old saying that what, you know, what you spend money on shows what you value. Uh, somebody gave me this thought experiment yesterday, and I'm gonna give it to you. It's a little bit cheesy, but it, it helped me, so I thought maybe it'll help you. Imagine that somebody gave you, some, I don't know who, God or some you know, eccentric aunt or something put every day $86,400 into your bank account. So every day you wake up, $86,400 in your bank account. Here's the catch. You have to use it all that day because none of it's going to roll over. Right? Now, now there, there will be another 86400 when you wake up the next morning, but there's no, like, there's no rolling it over. There's no amassing wealth. You, go, you can't. It's interesting because $86,400 is a lot of money. It's not enough money to like, especially because you can't save it or invest it or compound it with the next day's money. So you can't like buy a mansion or something like that. You can do quite a lot with it, but you've got to figure out how to spend it today. And I think if you're put in that situation, you would probably spend some, some serious time thinking what it is you were going to do with that money. What it is that you thought was important to spend money on. And you could become a, a really great, strange benefactor for you know, wonderful charities for, for, you know, building things up in the church. Uh, you could provide for your family, but only in the here and now. And then, you know, you turn tomorrow and take the 86,400 you're given tomorrow and figure out what to do with it. Now, the, re the reason this was such a clever image, and maybe some of you have already guessed where this is going, but I think, and I might be misremembering the number, but you'll get the point. Apparently there are 86,400 seconds in a day. So we have this gift of time, and every single day we're given 
you know, however many hours, however many minutes, apparently 86,000 seconds, and we get a day to spend them. And they're, they're, they're never coming back. We'll have a new installment tomorrow, but, but today's minutes and seconds will never come back. So just like we can tell a lot about what you value by what you spend money on, you can tell a lot about what's important to you by what you spend time on, by what you do with the irreplaceable, irrecoverable, non-savable minutes and seconds that the Lord gives you every day. Uh, uh, there's a guy in seminary who, this, this was devastating, uh, told his spiritual director he hasn't been praying lately. And the spiritual director says, why? And he says, well, it's just, you know, you know how it is, been busy. We have all these classes and all the studies and, you know, all the things I have to do in seminary. So I haven't been, like, making my holy hours. The, uh, the priest tells him, I want you to get a piece of paper right now. Let's spend a few minutes, uh, and I want you to write down everything you've done in the last week. And it's an uncomfortable exercise and a strange exercise. So the seminarian starts. By the way, it was not me. Uh, this is not... <laughs> <laughs> this is not one of those stories where, hey, I have a friend. Uh, but it could have been me. Actually, it could have been me. Uh, but it wasn't. So uh, he apparently sits and starts writing down the, uh, the ways that he spent the, the week. And what the spiritual director wanted to point out to him is, essentially, everything on this list you thought was more important than prayer. And that is... A devastating realization. And it's one when, when you have it there in black and white, it's one that you cannot put away. And brothers and sisters, I have been feeling for years, it's been on my heart over and over and over again that one of the central things that we need to talk about, one of the central things I need to preach about is prayer. Because having an actual relationship with the Lord, I think, is so central to the Christian life that God wants us to lead. And we, don't, we don't want to adopt what we call a moralism which reduces the Christian life to just doing good things and avoiding bad things. And if we don't want to be moralistic, then when we hear these Gospels where Jesus tells us, uh, keep watch, be ready, because you don't know when the Master is coming. If we're, not to, if we're not to reduce Christianity to moralism, then, that has to, then being vigilant has to mean more than just making sure that, uh, that I've given a little bit to the poor lately and that I'm in a state of sanctifying grace. If the Christian life is really about encounter with the Lord and developing intimacy with God, knowing him and letting him know you, then our vigilance has to have something to do with prayer. And as it's been on my heart for these years to, to teach more about prayer, to, uh, to spend more time in prayer myself, there's this fear, and I, th I think maybe it's a temptation from the devil. Every time I want to preach about prayer, there's a voice in me saying, these people have jobs. And uh, in many cases, they have children, and children are just bonkers to deal with, right? And so how can you expect these people to have a prayer life? And I think that voice is a temptation. Right? It came to me, well, but we, I had a faculty retreat to begin the school year. I brought in my own spiritual director to teach about prayer to my faculty. And a question came up, and it's a good question. I was so glad it was asked. Like, you know, when, we, when we're so busy and I have, you know, I've, I come home to six kids or whatever, like, where is it that I'll find time for prayer? Something popped in my head, and it was just as clear as day, right? Uh, if you watch TV at all, you have time for prayer. If you play Angry Birds at all, you have time for prayer, right? Like, uh, basically, 
You have the same 24, I know, that, I know that you have jobs and children, you have the same 24 hours that I do. If we are not praying, and I mean really praying, if we're not setting time aside, not, not just kind of like rushing through our devotions, but giving a little bit of the day to talk to God, to tell God what I'm experiencing, to actually share with God what I'm feeling and thinking and what I'm afraid of, what I'm thankful for, to talk to God the way you would talk to somebody with whom you have a good relationship. And if you're also not giving uh, some time of silence to listen to God, then simply what we're deciding, explicitly or implicitly, is we're deciding that we're too busy to talk to God. But what that means is that we've taken, you know, those whatever, 16, 17 waking hours a day we've had and decided that all manner of things are more, are more important to us than talking to God. Now imagine how ridiculous it would be if you found out that, you know, Ralph died yesterday. And you said, oh, oh my gosh, what happened? You say, oh, he starved to death. So, well, this is America. How did Ralph starve to death? He said, oh, he's just too busy to eat, right? We would say that's ridiculous. You have to eat. doesn't matter how busy you are. The human body needs food to continue. You, can, you can't just not eat because you're so busy. Well, brothers and sisters, we need prayer. We need intimacy with God. That's the food that our soul eats. It's the air that our soul breathes. And we ha if we don't have time for prayer, if we don't think we have time for prayer, we simply have to start reprioritizing our days. Uh, because if we want to store up treasures, and we, want our, if we know that our heart are going to be where our treasure is, then shouldn't we be storing up intimacy with God so that our heart may be there and not in all of the many distractions that exist in our lives and that are legitimate in our lives, but, the, but distractions that tell us that we simply don't have time for God.